Well, hello there. Since the last time we met, the banking system collapsed. I'm just kidding, everyone. It's Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner. That was a little alarmist. Uh, Kristen's back from vacation. Hello, Kristen. Hello. Hello, Dame with a puffin hoodie on. <laughs> so for hey, look at that. Yeah, it looks good. Uh, a couple quick notes before we start the show. It's a quick show today. Sorry, Jeremiah. Uh, quick show today. Uh, Dame, first of all, I saw him in person for the first time in a long time this week. He looks amazing. He looks Thank you. amazing physically. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> looks very healthy and nice. Uh, and then second, my entire executive team to mock me at our executive retreat this week uh, all wore the puffin sweatshirt. They procured it and wore it and surprised me, and it was hilarious. Uh, and so the puffin saga continues. We couldn't buy them locally. Uh, they would literally went to the store that sells them, and they said they didn't have any because they've sold a lot of them recently. There was a run on the puffin sweatshirt <laughs> locally, and we had to get them online. Uh, okay, here we go. In th- Oh, quick show today. Again, like seriously, super quick show. Uh, sorry about you. Sorry about you. I don't know what any of that means. Three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com, and we will read your email. Then we will answer email, and then you will be a millionaire. No, that's not how it works. Uh, we'll just help you out. Uh, we'd like to, of course, introduce my co-host, Kristen Alanius, the uh, Director of Education, at your money line and Damian Dunn, the vice president of advice at your money line. Uh, friends, we also want to welcome uh, our newest affiliate, WGCL in Bloomington, Indiana, to the Pete the Planner Radio Network. Hello, everyone involved. Hello. Hello. Oh, that was lovely. Okay. So since we last met, oh my gosh, there was nearly a banking system collapse. <laughs> so we're going to talk about. Uh, uh, we're, we're going to talk about like what's going on. Should you be worried about your money? Like, well, in what ways can this impact you? Uh, and then we're going to talk about, uh, I think we're going to have different opinions. Should the government have stepped in and saved Silicon Valley Bank? And uh, what's the other one? Signature or making that up? Signature, Signature Bank. Yeah. Uh, for first something or other. Who knows? Nobody knows. And then an email from an emailer named Ian, who made sure we knew how to pronounce the word Ian. I mean, there's only two ways to pronounce Ian. There's Jan and Ian based on the spelling, and we're going with Ian. Uh, All right. What? It could have been Ian. Oh, really? that's true. Like Ian Zeering from Beverly yeah. Hills 90210. 100%. Yeah. Oh, the show's going well so far. Yeah. So um, last Thursday and Friday was chaotic, so much so that Dame and I, uh, Kristen was on vacation, Dame and I made the decision as we went to air last week we are actually not going to talk about the banking collapse till we know more. It was very hard and uh, visceral. And the reality is we had several friends who banked at Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, several um, that had, because they own companies, tens of millions of dollars on the line. So it was a really stressful thing that we chose not to talk about last week until we knew more. Now we know a lot more. And so Kristen, I want to start here today. Now that we are now on Friday, uh, St. Patrick's Day, what should the average person, respectfully, care about their money as it relates to banking right now? What what is there a concern? Should there be a concern for the average everyday Joe? For the average person, me and you, I don't 
personally think that there's anything to be worried about yet. Um, but I do think it's something to keep your eye on because some things are happening that shouldn't maybe be happening. But the important thing to take away is the importance of FDIC insurance. I don't know if we want to get into that yet. Yes. So federal the FDIC insurance is federal deposit, the federal deposit insurance corporation. And essentially it insures your money at a bank for less than $250,000. And that is by account and by person. So if you're someone who falls within those limits the theory is that you should have nothing to worry about because that money is insured should something happen to the bank that you use. Yeah. So Dame, I mean, not to call out our listenership, including the three hosts, I don't believe anyone involved in this here podcast is going to have more than $250,000 in a single bank account. Or if they do, what you doing, right? Yeah. hundred percent. There's very, very few people outside of businesses they may own, but as individuals that are going to have any issues with the limits that are set up, especially when you figure out you know, there may be other banks you can use or other account types you can use to maybe extend that coverage where you need to for your own purposes. So I, it's not going to be something that the uh, average person is going to run into issues with. So there really are three types of banks, and, and and forget credit unions right now. No offense, we're just setting them aside for a moment. Uh, there's community banks, there's regional banks, and then there's big, 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 big banks. Um, what we're talking about doesn't impact community banks as of right now. What we're talking about are regional banks. That is where the risks lie. Um, Silicon Valley Bank, regional bank, Signature Bank, regional bank, First Republic, regional bank. And so uh, if you bank at a local bank, that has got a couple branches and it, and it doesn't go beyond the borders of your state, you're probably fine. And I would also note, Kristen, if your bank does fail and you've got $3,000 in your checking account or $800 in your checking account, what's the impact to you from a, from a time standpoint? Um, when do you get access? Should you freak out or is it just stressful? Uh, it would be stressful, especially in our current economic environment. If you're like many and you're living paycheck to paycheck and you don't have access to that money right away, it would absolutely be a stressful situation. But the way I understand it is that the Fed comes in and says like, yes, these deposits are insured and then they clear access to the funds. I don't know if it takes a few business days. I don't, to be honest, I don't know how long that process is. Yeah, I, from my understanding, it is just a few business days, yeah. if not less. And so, Dame, at that point in time, uh, you get access to your funds and everything. It's not like your your debit card starts getting rejected. You should be good to go. Correct. In most cases, you'll be able to continue on uh, with your normal financial life as you would uh, in the off chance that uh, your bank and its assets are acquired by another bank. There may be a little bit of transition period, but even then, I would have to believe that they would make allowances for your current debit card to remain, uh, remain active until they can get you uh, repapered probably isn't the right word, but uh, get you set up on the new banking system and everything is square on that side. So there will be some inconvenience, almost certainly be some inconvenience. Don't plan on it being weeks and months for the average person. It may be a few days, but it should be a pretty straightforward process. Do you feel, Dame, that for people that are really concerned that, and our goal is not to talk people out of concern, it's just sort of try to level set. But if people have extra level of concern, 
theoretically shouldn't be those people that have a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks in cash in a safe at their house. Is that is that the step to then fully mitigate the challenge? It depends on what you need that money for immediately. If you need it to pay bills, having cash in your safe may not help you all that much because if you got to send that money you know across the country or wherever you're still going to need a medium to do that whether you have to go get a you know money order or you know take it to another bank and put it in there and then you know send it from there it's still going to be some hassle and by the time you get that taken care of it maybe all cleared up at your own bank but if you just need to make sure that you've got some access to some cash which i'm all in favor of by the way yeah Keep some cash at home, you know, whether it's in a safe or a shoebox or a jar in your backyard, however you feel safe uh, about doing that. But yeah, I'm a big proponent of that. Kristen has just left the show for today. as She drives to Damien's house to dig up his backyard. <laughs> uh, Kristen, but so the, the other piece of advice here is you just go to a different bank and put a thousand bucks in a savings account. Ideally, as long as that's a quick process, in my opinion, it's nice to have, see, this is where someone who is, uh, I'm, I'm very open about the fact that I'm very anxious. I, I don't think I could use one financial institution. That's why I have, you know, three different modes of payment with me at all times, because like, what if one doesn't work? So I would prefer for that to be something that you do uh, that is a proactive approach is you have another form of payment available in the event that something like this happened or even something smaller, your, your accounts frozen for fraudulent for, because you had fraud. I mean, there could be a number of things that could prevent you from getting access to your cash very temporarily. So I, I want to make a statement before we go to break here uh, on, on a about personal finance. Like, my, and I'll I'll use my personal finances for an example. Number one, I I don't have a single bank account with more than five figures in it, so I'm not worried about exceeding the FDIC limit. And so, therefore, I am I am personally saying I have zero concern about the safety of my bank deposits. Zero as it relates to my personal finances. Okay? <laughs> and what we're going to come back with after the break is the part of the story that everyone seems to be forgetting about. And that is where your employer banks. That's what this story is about. Don't worry about your $6,000 in your checking account. Worry about the millions of dollars your employer has for payroll. That's next on the Pete the Pointer Show. I'm Pete the Planner. That was a pretty solid outro, I got to be honest. It was good. I felt like a radio show Bloomington just got a little extra. Pete's house. Wait, no, oh. let's not do that. <clears throat> no. Yeah, after last week's show, though, they uh, they they needed some some sh signs of life from us. We're not going with Pete's sauce again. We're going to retire no. that one. Yeah, let's not. Could have got worse. I, I was willing to not ever hear that again, but you brought it back after I made my comment. So. I will not say that. Kristen, is there any truth, Lee notes, that uh, you leave the show for one week and all of a sudden there's a banking collapse? I can neither confirm nor deny that, Lee. All right. Uh, we're starting the next segment. Prepare your clocks in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, talking about whether you should care about the banking meltdown. That's the voice you use for banking meltdown. Uh, we've come to the conclusion so far that... A true vast majority of people, truly, like, I don't know, 90% of people shouldn't worry about their personal money at a bank because most people have less than $250,000 in an account. So for everyone who has under, you're good to go. Now, here's the issue. 
Dave, the reason the Silicon Valley Bank thing was so terrifying is because of payroll. If your business that you work for, your organization, banks at one of these regional banks or one of these banks at risk, then that gets locked up. They're not FDIC insured. You risk losing a paycheck. You risk losing your job. The business risks losing the company. And that's what was so terrifying last week as uh, myself and some of our colleagues have a lot of friends who had money there. And it was 48 hours of absolute no sleep panic. Kristen, have you considered that the real threat here is me? To your personal finances <laughs> and not you. It's my only sleep at night. Uh, Isn't that weird to think about? It is. It is weird to think about, but it, it it's true, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. You think, okay, so we, we all have different feelings about our employers. Uh, I, I know mine's handsome. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would rarely do we think, Oh, my place that has a lot of stability, it's all going to go down because their money's going to disappear because they banked at the wrong place. When has that ever entered into your brain, Dame? Not until last week. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's about it. I mean, my relationship with my employer is, am I doing a good job? Am I doing what they're asking of me? Uh, am I exceeding those expectations? And if I do that, I'm going to keep getting a paycheck because they're, I mean, assuming the business is doing well, but not because the money might just disappear overnight. That's never been on my radar until very recently. Which brings us to Celebrity Deathmatch, starring Kristen Alanius and Damian Dunn. It is my <laughs> understanding that these two radio hosts have different opinions oh, as no. to whether the government should have stepped in and saved Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Kristen? Round one, <laughs> should, should the government have saved Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank? Do I think that the government should have? That was the question I just no, asked. No, but do I think that there wasn't really another option and do I hate that? Yes. Time out. Dame, come out swinging. Should the government have saved the banks first of all i appreciate kristen's artful uh job of of playing both sides of the fence in this case no (laughs) i don't like it but no there wasn't any other choice uh yeah they absolutely should have now i am not in favor of having more uncle sam in my life than than most folks uh but in this particular case it was very easy to see dominoes starting to fall. And as one bank collapses because it was, you know, had, had bad investments and, and there was going to be a run on that bank. If I were in uh, a business owner's shoes that felt that my deposits were at risk, you're darn right. I would have moved that money somewhere and tried to find a, a more reasonable way to ensure that my company was going to survive, my employees were going to get paid. And the business would continue on. So, yes, they, something had to step in to prevent a, a number of businesses from ceasing to exist. The unemployment rate from just absolutely skyrocketing and, uh, frankly, pushing us to the brink of a major financial collapse in the country. So Kristen disagrees. She thinks we should have burned it all down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, 
<laughs> See, why I'm so ask Mrs. Planner sometime how fun I am to argue it. Um, Kristen, it's my understanding that taxpayer dollars were not used. These were FDIC funds that were used to to ensure the rest of the deposits. Um, so why shouldn't they have stepped in if if taxpayers are not involved? Do you worry about moral hazard? Well, um, maybe, but I think it really comes down to the fact that these are the limits that are in place. And if you're someone who has these dollars, you should be well aware of the limits. And Damien and I were kind of having a little bit of a conversation about unsystematic risk. And that that's a risk that you can control. Now, at the business level, I'm not I'm not a business owner. I don't know what I would or wouldn't do, but I don't, I think if you're someone who has that amount of money, you are aware of the risks. Now, I don't want to not be empathetic either. That's why I keep playing both sides of the fence is because if I were in this position, I would want to be sure that my dollars were safe, but where do you draw the line? That's to me, that's the whole point of having the FDIC limits. Dame, the FDIC limits were uh, updated not too terribly long mm-hmm. ago, from 100 to 250. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from what I've read, the FDIC funding, uh, in terms of how are they actually funded to cover all these deposits they say they're going to uh, fund and insure, they're not even close to being able to have the funds to do that. So this is a system built on trust and, uh, and belief. And so when people lose belief, in the banking system, and I know it's an abstract concept, that's where this thing collapses. So I think the government absolutely had to do something, and kudos to them. I don't really love giving credit to the government as much, uh, <laughs> but kudos to them for not using taxpayer dollars. I, I think as cynical as I can be at times about the government, I, I had no problem with it. When you're dealing with your main uh, argument being, uh, well, it has the full faith and credit of the United States government behind it? I, that may not be a, the original intention of, of what you were talking about, but it stretches into other areas. And this absolutely was a way that they had to step in and prevent uh, bigger things from spidering out. I I asked this question, I don't know if I remember if it was while I was down in the office earlier this week or not, but uh, what's going to prevent, I, in my opinion, some really, really big companies from just setting up their own banks and not being uh, exposed to any of this? It, Apple's got, I don't know how many billions of dollars on hand. They could set up their own bank and not have any of this risk. They'd be incredibly conservative with it, maybe make just a little bit of money on, on the return, but do everything through it. They don't need uh, the the Chases or anybody else, Bank of America, to, to do their business. They could set up their own and just be completely insulated from it. Kristen, if Apple set up its own bank, do they call it Orchard or do they call it Granny Smith? That's a great joke. Um, (laughs) what in the world? You're just a kind older man making funnies. (sighs) Granny Smith. Uh, how do you keep this from happening? That's, that's my, that's my biggest thing is, okay, this happened. Now, how do you, how does this not happen anymore? Well, so this gets interesting, uh, because to some degree, it was an attempt at deregulation mm-hmm. that got us here. And Kristen, what you're saying is, okay, not only, well, I shouldn't say this. What maybe you're suggesting is not only is deregulation what we should do, but we should regulate, 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 regulate. I, I 
don't know if regulate, 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 but I do think we were looking at the reserve requirements for banks this morning and they're shockingly low. That might just be a good place to start. All right. So Dame, uh, as we look at this now, why I think the government had to step in is because it wasn't even about Silicon Valley Bank and it wasn't even about Signature Bank. It's when the panic set in. So all of these banks started locking up all the payrolls started getting locked up. And, and I thought one of the wildest factors in all this as we had to break here is not only did it matter where your employer banked, it mattered where your payroll company banked. Mm-hmm. That's when things got hairy too. All right, coming up after break, uh, uh, listener email. It's from Yian. I'm Pete the Planner. All right. Kristen shows violence today, as Danza says. <laughs> Regulation. That's take, me. Take it easy on the old man here. <laughs> just a just a happy-go-lucky old man. Boy. I got a young beating up on me. A young. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to read this question very quickly and try not to do many asides because this is the longest question in show history. <laughs> That's it's what I said. Not, it is not. Good thing that guy's got a three-letter first name to save some time. And then explains it over the course of another 50 letters. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, right. he didn't mean that. Oh, I mean it. I mean it deeply. It's all jokes, Ian. It's all it jokes. Isn't. It's serious. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Listener emails. You can email us. I don't know why you'd want to. But if you did... Uh, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Whether you're listening uh, on our podcast, the live stream, or on WTRC in Mishawaka, Indiana. Kristen, you can actually get WTRC at your house, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Turn it on right now. Let's see what they're listening to. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so here is the email from Ian. Hey, hey, Kristen and co. My name is Ian. Uh, and I'm a longtime podcast listener, maybe first time question asker. Before I dive into the question, I did want to say thank you for all on the show. It's a pro, you know, let's get out of all that. Okay, here's the question <laughs> We don't need compliments, we have mirrors. <laughs> oh, okay, boy. now, okay, now a question for y'all to consider. Uh, and I'll start off by saying it stems from a good problem to have. I accepted a new job late last year and it came along with a very nice pay bump. <laughs> he sounds comfortable. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, six figures a year. The problem is I've now hit is that making this higher salary disqualifies me for a number of tax deductions. I'd previously factored into my W-2 withholding, notably my student loan interest deduction and traditional IRA contribution deductions. Uh, who knew that when you make an AGI of more than 73K and are covered by an employer retirement plan, you cannot deduct contributions to a traditional IRA. See a good problem. Uh, is that true, Kristen and Dave? I don't know if that's the exact dollar amount, but that is true that being covered. Yeah. Yeah. It's the concept. I'm again. In 2022, I contributed 2,400 to my traditional IRA only realized that I contributed tax dollars to a pre-tax account when my tax software told me it wasn't deductible. I've now started the process of reversing. Oh, that's a pain. The excess contribution. I'm curious what is to use the best use of that money. I have 30,000 in student loans, $3,000 in credit card debt, just open a Roth IRA since it has a higher income cap of these three things that are a clear winner. 
of what my residual funds should go to. My default assumption is a credit card debt, but with the student loan interest freeze coming up and debt relief now looking unlikely for a variety of reasons. I wonder if student loan is best. Uh, for additional context, I'm a renter who's saving up for a first home loan, uh, a carless individual who's now saving for a car because I adopted a dog. Right Does your dog even have a driver's license, Ian? No kids or dependents except my dog and my plants, and I'm not married. Jan from Chicago. I like Ian's lifestyle. And that's all we have time for <laughs> this week on the Paint the Platter. Thank you for listening on WIOU. In, uh, I, I do love that we have WIOU in Kokomo. It's the best affiliate name Absolutely. in all of uh, Money Radio. Kristen, if the question here is where should the money go of those three things, student loans, credit card, or the Roth IRA, what say use? Credit card first. Yeah, I mean, by by my measure, uh, he can basically pay it off, right? Right. And I think that Ian is very is maybe on the cusp of what is a trap for persons when they reach a higher income level, which is maybe a little bit more um, financial freedom that can sometimes unintentionally lead to irresponsibility. Holy cow! I was not ready for that this morning. I think you're onto something here. <laughs> Are you going with? Uh, mo money, mo problems. Yes, more money, more problems. Dame, I buy that. Hundred percent. First of all, we have to figure out what's that credit card debt stem from. Was there legitimate reason for it? Was it just a great trip to uh, Albuquerque to adopt this dog and fly home in first class? I nobody knows why that three thousand dollars is there, but. Is it going to keep showing up? Is this going to be a recurring problem, especially with more income available to us? Are our tastes going to grow and our lifestyle along with it? You know, I've noticed a trend of people that I've helped over the years. Uh, a massive pay bump, massive pay increase can actually be the catalyst to a lot of problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Dead air. Dead air had fans sound in it. It was amazing. Well, and maybe what has happened in this case, which is something that in our day-to-day -day work that we see, is that maybe this is credit card debt that's lingering from when Ian didn't have that income security. And now that you have that income security, it's like, I'm working on it, but I have it. It's there. Well, saying you have it and actually just paying it off are two very different things. There's emotional attachment to that money. So I would say pay off that credit card debt. Did Ian at any point, did Ian <laughs> at any point mention his emergency fund? No, not to my knowledge. Isn't that weird? No, offense, little my bit. Man. it's a little yeah. weird, right? Cause I feel like that might be the most important context here. Yeah. If he doesn't have any kind of an emergency fund established, Find a number that makes you comfortable. And it doesn't have to be the full deal, but find a, a starter amount. Thousand bucks is usually pretty common. Uh, there aren't a huge amount of emergencies that I'm assuming could potentially happen uh, for him. I mean, there's no car in the picture right now. Uh, he's renting. So the thousand bucks will probably tide him over for a little while and then get rid of that credit card debt. And then uh, maybe work on co-goals uh, co at that point. Continue to build that emergency fund and prepare for student loans to start again. Kristen, you want to play a little game here? Yes. How, how much, much does Ian have in his savings account? account? Here's how the oh. show works. We get to guess, based on all of this other information, how much we think Ian has in his savings account. 
But and by the way, he's going to email us back and tell us the answer, mm. Ian. And Ian, I don't know why I'm doing that. It seems rude at this point. Um, you have to do it based on the time of when you sent us this email. So you can't say what's in there now. It has to be when you send this email. We are all going to take a guess. I'm going to go last. Actually, let's write down our number. Let's write down our number, how much he has in savings um, right now. Um, let's do that. I don't have anything to write on. So this is backfiring. Uh, I've got a number. Dame? Doesn't? Chris, do you have a number? Yeah. Okay. Hold them up to the radio. <laughs> Kristen, <laughs> what's your say? 650. Dame's 750. I say $3,000. All right. Let's see who the real personal finance expert is here. Uh, Ian, email us. Let us know what you have there. That rarely works out for us. It did happen once, and I'd like to point out we were exactly right when we asked the caller or an emailer to uh, to contact us, and we nailed almost every hypothetical that we put out there. But I'd like to say we kind of know what we're doing every once in a while. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've had this discussion a lot this week, and, and uh, to to your point, there are patterns, and mm-hmm. the more financial situations you look at, when someone gives us that. They don't mention their emergency fund, yet they have 30,000 student loans. They gave us their, there are patterns as to why we guessed in about a $2,500 range, mm-hmm. right? There's a reason for that. And, uh, you know, here, here's something we're going to talk about on the show next week, by the way. We're going to talk about taking over in a good way, a positive way, a helpful way, the finances of an older relative. What we have learned is there are patterns. There are things that you need to be on the lookout for. Uh, There will become a time or there will uh, come a time in your life in which it is likely you're going to have to assist an older relative with their finances. And I want to start to teach you the patterns. So not only do you know what to do, but you know what to look out for that could uh, indicate it's time to start helping them right now. Right, Dame? I mean, that's something that you've seen for a long time, and we're going to actually spend a couple segments on that next week. I think it'll be incredibly informative and valuable for a number of folks, and I can't wait for you to teach me what to do. <laughs> well, uh, we're just sharing info. Kristen, uh, you look forward to the days that you take over the finances of a, a, an older relative? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do not. And I'm sure the two of you will do a great job with that next week. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, it is an uncomfortable topic, everybody. It is a wildly emotional, uncomfortable topic. But we're all going to have to deal with it in some capacity. So wouldn't we rather talk about it when it's not a thing for you right now? Or better yet, what if we clue you in on some patterns that then you see and now we've prevented a, a major catastrophe because you can step in there. So that's what we're doing on the show next week. I'm calling our shot now. And yes, Kristen, this is the earliest I've ever planned a show <laughs> an entire 167 hours in advance. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. I'm Pete the Planner. These outro this week are just next level. Just next level. <laughs> okay. You guys ready for Boam? Damien, you got your stories up? I'm ready to go. Jeremiah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay uh biggest waste of money in three two one this week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the pete the planner show is 
Sunspell Bluestone Ocean Water Swim Shorts. While you're enjoying the ocean, save it at the same time. Sunspell Swim Shorts are made from seaqual, a material crafted using waste plastic recovered from the oceans. They further pay homage to the sea with its bluestone ocean water print featuring various shades of blue in a wave pattern. A flattering cut. Depends if Dame's wearing them or I'm wearing them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that hits mid-leg is ideal for any poolside affair. Not that sort of affair, Kristen. While a draw cord elastic waist offers a secure fit so you do not get DP'd in front of your guests. <laughs> I made that. I added, I added that to the copy. Um, Kristen, <laughs> world's worst bomb guesser. What does it cost for a pair of Sunspell Bluestone Ocean Water swim shorts? $125. $125. Uh, Damon? Nothing makes me happier than when somebody uh, leverages a good deed and tries to bring capitalism into the picture. So uh, I am going to say. <laughs> Uh, 150 bucks. $225. Now, here's my issue. Here's my issue. I am not anti-environment. I I want to clean the ocean. Absolutely clean the ocean. But aren't you making something with trash? Shouldn't it be a lot cheaper? Shouldn't this be like $17? Does some of this profit go back towards harvesting more plastic out of the ocean? Do we know oh, this? Oh, sure. Okay, dude, here's the thing, sir. And I don't mean to call you dude. I, I owe you more respect sure. than that. Often. <laughs> I wondered the same thing. And what is alarming is that that is not in the copy. That is not in the copy. And had they said $50 from every purchase or $100, well, $200 from each purchase <laughs> goes to clean up uh, the uh, soda carriers that my wife cuts up every time before she puts them in the recycling then i get it how can we even be sure that this came out of the ocean it's just they're not profitable yet when maybe when they're profitable <laughs> then they'll they'll reinvest the money back i think, into they, bank, ocean I think they bank at svb did did yeah dame what's in the news this week kellogg thinks the name of his new global snack company is you want to fill in the punchline? Uh, uh, no. Delicious? Great. Oh. <laughs> it's uh, not there. Kelanova is a mashup of Kel from Kellogg and Anova, which includes the Latin word for uh, new, which is Nova. The food giant is splitting into two scoops of raisins. Just kidding. Uh, into two businesses. Kelanova will include brands such as Pringles, Cheez-Its, and Eggos, while North American cereal business will uh, still be named W. Kellogg Company in honor of the company's founder. Cereal will continue to flow on breakfast tables all across the country. All right, so they're splitting into two. In one yep. camp, you've got Eggos and... Uh, Pringles, Cheez-Its. Okay. Yeah. And the other time, you've got cereal. Cereals. Choose your team. I'm going Team Pringle. Uh, mm. Are you guys going Team Cereal or Team Snack? Uh, team Salty, yeah. Yeah. I probably team salty because I would, I mean, if I had a list of all the cereals that, that Kellogg's has, I mean, we know it's uh frosted flakes and raisin bran, uh, but there, I, I need a more com- uh, complete list to make that decision. You know, what's weird when companies rebrand like this and everyone has an opinion on it, right? I know they split into two and so it's, but there's a rebrand effort as part of it. 
it's such a weird thing as a consumer because at any point in time, have you seen a rebrand or a renaming and gone, oh, I love that. <laughs> like, no, because <laughs> all, there's only downside. You're only going, no, that's dumb. It's the only thing you, you can only thing you can say. Yeah. Not interesting. Know. Yeah. Uh, what else, Dan? Uh, T-Mobile is spending $1.35 billion American dollars in a cash and stock deal to buy Mint Mobile from Ryan Reynolds and his backers, the actor who uh, uses celebrity and wit to build a low-cost competitor in a crowded wireless business in Canada, would stay on, a creative stay on in a creative capacity and continue to appear in Mint Mobile's ads, T-Mobile said. Pete, Ryan Reynolds is uh, a, an actor, a businessman. Uh, has he sold his soul? to be this successful in life. I don't know. Uh, so I, uh, transparency time uh -oh. wasn't always a big fan of his work, mm -hmm. but, uh, as a fan of football, uh, he is co-owner of Wrexham, mm -hmm. uh, which is a soccer club over in Wales and, uh, watched the documentary series about that really grew to really respect what he does in the business world. And it's also not fair that he's theoretically pretty good looking. What has he done? Cause Dame, uh, well, you and I are not g given as, as much of the, the good fortune that Mr. Reynolds has. No. Why, why does he deserve it? <laughs> Kristen, I love actually when celebrities have really smart business ventures. Like I, I don't particularly care for that, the work of Ashton Kutcher, but I love his business mind, right? I, I, I find that fascinating. He was the one I just thought of. And then anyone generally that comes on as a celebrity co-host of Shark Tank, it's really nice to get to see that side of persons who we tend to see in roles, obviously, that aren't generally who they are as people. They're acting. Yeah, like Jessica Alba. Uh, uh, yeah, Kylie Jenner. These are people I don't follow. I I, I don't know them from, from Dame's Puffin on his sweatshirt. But I appreciate what they've done from a business perspective. Oh, well. Dame? Oh. Seven states now plan to ban sales of gas-powered cars after 2035 as Maryland became the latest to make the commitment. Under a growing multi-state pact, only zero-emission vehicles, including electric vehicles and some plug-in hybrids, can be sold following the 2035 model year. Traditional gas-powered cars on the road at that point wouldn't be affected, and drivers would still be allowed to buy used gas-powered cars. Automakers, dealerships, uh, however, would be prohibited from selling new gas vehicles in states where bans are in place. As an increasing number of states come out with plans to ban new gas-powered cars, automakers could feel pressure to accelerate the production of electric cars. In 2022, 5.8% of new vehicle sales were electric vehicles, a major increase from the 3.2% the year before. The transition to electric cars is already underway, and the 2035 bans uh, show how quickly it could speed up. Dame is our transportation expert around here, but Kristen, I want to start with you. Do you think this is conceive? Uh, do you think this is possible? No, I do not think this is possible. I think that if you talked to people who uh, live where I live, uh, no one that I know is going to drive an electric vehicle. That they're just not going to do it. And two, two, we're in a recession, my man. And three, how how are we going to be able to support this in twelve years? Yeah, Dame, you you are the expert here. Um, do you feel like you keep up with the EV news as well as other uh, gas-powered cars? Um, I mean, it's hard to miss because so many of the manufacturers are going in 100% towards EV. I, mean, I think GM is planning on replacing all of their gas-powered cars by 2035. I mean, all of them. That's crazy. 
Uh, so it's there, but Kristen hit on the big uh, problem, and that's infrastructure. Uh, we we just don't have the infrastructure to support uh, that much draw and demand for electricity, unless every electric car is going to come with uh, free sets of solar panels and installation at your house. It's going to be really, really tough to make this work. I have a question, which is I'm sure out there um, and is already answered. I just don't know the answer. Aren't like it's not like electricity is the cleanest energy in the world to create. So, what's the offset there? Like, what's better? I mean, not the way we make it. I mean, if we started firing up nukes, we'd be able to. Per- you know, produce a lot of electricity relatively cleanly uh, or, you know, really get on the the solar and, and wind. But even then it's unreliable. So if this is the direction you want to go, I think we've got to take another real good hard look at nuclear power. I got to assume someone's got solar panels and then it plugs into their garage or plugs into their Rivian. 100%. Right? It's got to be yeah. a thing. Yeah. Right. Tesla, Tesla sells roofs. Yeah, so that that makes sense a lot, actually, to me. I think it's when you're just plugging it in and it's going on your power bill that, that that's like, okay, what are we doing here? That makes yeah. sense to me. All right. Oh, Lee, weighing in the Tesla supercharger network are super prevalent and reliable and are starting to roll out to a mm-hmm. non-Tesla branded EV. See, mm-hmm. thank, thank God for smart listeners. And that's all we have time for this week. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. That's Kristen. That's Dame. And we are done. Good day. I said I wanted to be done in 45 minutes today, and we did it in 41.18, and the show is exactly not over because I still have to say goodbye to everyone, but we did it, y'all, and and uh, free up some time for Easter shopping for people next week when they listen to the pod. We just gave you 20 minutes back of your life. Yes. You're welcome. Uh, and I just realized that that means I blab on for 20 extra minutes every episode <laughs> is what just occurred to me. We we do it. I, we, we enjoy our time with our listeners and, and the podcast folks in between segments. But it's, uh, yeah, we, we fill some air. But it's fun. Helps us build relationships. All right. Well, uh, Kristen, thank you. Dame, thank you. Everyone else, stay getting money. <laughs>